Welcome to AGIM Insight, the new weekly podcast about higher education by the Association of Independent Colleges and Universities in Massachusetts. This week, AGIM President Richard Doherty interviews Anthony Monaco, President of Tufts University. Now, to begin, here's Rich Doherty. Hi, everyone. I'm Rich Doherty, President of AGIM. We created this podcast to highlight the people, policies, and programs associated with higher education in Massachusetts. This week, I'll be speaking with Anthony Monaco, president of Tufts University. Tony Monaco has served as the 13th president of Tufts University since 2011. He is a scientist, physician, teacher, and an exemplary community leader. Most recently, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, President Monaco has led an effort at Tufts and throughout higher education to greatly expand the partnership that colleges and universities have with their communities. Tufts opened its residence hall to frontline medical workers, its repurposed facilities for first responders and create overflow areas for hospitals. It donated resources such as the university's personal protective equipment. It tapped the logistical experience of former military leaders at the Tufts Fletcher School, and to ensure smooth transformation of the campus, they've involved all experts from the campus in this effort. Of course, this was all being done as the university changed its academics to be all online, canceled athletics and events, and managed the needs of its thousands of U.S. and international students. So it's my pleasure to welcome you, Tony, to Acom Insight. Thank you, Rich. Pleasure to be here. So in mid-March, very early on, just as colleges began to de-densify their campuses and professional sports leagues were canceling events, you published an op-ed in the Boston Globe suggesting that colleges and universities may need to turn over campus facilities to help COVID-19, to fight COVID-19, excuse me. When did you first start considering that Tufts and other colleges and universities had a larger responsibility to respond to this crisis? Uh, Well, Rich, it came pretty soon after the the fact that we were the first Massachusetts uh, college to have a COVID positive student. And we found that out right when the students were moving off campus. That person unintentionally exposed a large number of students and we had to trace all of them and uh, quarantine them. So it put us in a position that we very rapidly had to consider logistics and operations to create different zones on campus for different populations of either students or those that were quarantining or possibly COVID positive. In that work, as you mentioned, we worked with military fellows who were studying at our Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy. And then immediately we were able to see the opportunity to help our communities, both Medford, Somerville and Boston and our healthcare providers, Tufts Medical Center, and locally here in Medford and Somerville, Cambridge Health Alliance. Just by listening to their needs, it became obvious that they wanted to house uh, first responders from the city's medical staff and provide, especially for hospitals that don't have uh, large numbers of inpatient beds, an overflow um, scenario uh, in case they got overrun. Terrific. Um, And I think that that... uh... From my experience, having talked to other uh, folks in higher education, that op-ed you you 
wrote and was published by the Globe really ended up uh, inspiring other presidents and your colleagues around the state and around the country to begin thinking about whether they too had a larger role and an opportunity for them to uh, participate. Um, during this crisis, it's been heartening to see how uh, the nonprofits have partnered with community and business leaders to provide critical resources uh, to first responders and healthcare professionals so that they can continue to treat those most in need. Um, what role do you envision uh, our nonprofits, but particularly our colleges and universities, is having in the as the crisis passes and our nation looks to recover both economically and emotionally? Well, during the, the crisis right now, there are you know, large federal plans, there are state plans for overflow and support of various communities, but much of it has really been left to local municipalities and local hospitals to manage the situation going forward. And I think that's where the longstanding relationships between colleges, universities, and their local cities and hospitals played to a strength and allowed us to very rapidly um, move on interventions or ways in which we could help the situation. Of course, after COVID-19, these partnerships have always been strong. They will continue, and I think we'll be working with them on how colleges and universities are going to recover because, of course, many municipalities and hospitals um, rely on their colleges and universities either for economic um, uh, you know, benefits by just the number of employees or for hospitals, our relationship in training future doctors and healthcare professionals who are going to be needed more than ever especially with elderly aging population in the United States, um, you know, in preparation for something like this ever happening again. Yeah. Do you, you know, do you think your training as a physician gave you sort of extra credibility in, uh, in dealing with hospital leaders and uh, those in the community and, and with your uh, colleagues in higher education that, uh, you know, are not physicians? Well, whether I'm a physician or not, I was pres as president of Tufts. I sit on the Tufts Medical Center um, Board of Governors, and so we I have very good relationships with Mike Apcon, the CEO. And you know, I could immediately understand as a physician what he needed and what we could offer. So I think that was important. But as a scientist, I also worked with viruses, and I know what exponential growth is. I understand, you know, how rapidly this can happen and you've got to stay several steps ahead of it. Uh, if you're dealing with a problem uh, that's facing you now, then you're, you're losing because you've got to be thinking about the second and third problem several weeks down the, down the line. Yes. I, I don't think uh, folks fully appreciated just how viruses work. And I think people are getting a, a much better sense of that as they've seen the graphs and uh, gained a better understanding of uh, what flattening the curve is all about. Um, but um, uh, can you speak a little uh, bit about, I mean, clearly your campus has, uh, you know, the students have largely left uh, and uh, uh, gone back to their home states, uh, maybe even their home countries. But how have you been able to keep uh, in contact with college presidents and your colleagues during these times. And what advice have you been able to uh, 
offer them as they consider whether their campuses might be suitable for assisting local municipalities and their local hospital and healthcare providers? It's been absolutely essential, the correspondence and communication between university presidents. We've learned from each other. It started out with our NESCAC Athletic League, uh, which Tufts is a member of, and just by um, calls and, and, and com- correspondence, I quickly understood like what type of needs they were hearing from their local hospitals, which were, were different from what we were hearing in Boston, quite interestingly. So it gave us a, an understanding of the breadth of the requests out there and how locally people could respond. As you know, we've also done some webinars, uh, which are now recorded and people can get access to them, where we've offered both legal and uh, space and logistics uh, advice to any college or university that is considering um, how they might help their municipality or local hospital. Yes, you, you did one just uh, specifically for uh, the uh, representatives from Acom schools, and that was wildly, wildly well-received and uh, really um, caused folks to say, hey, we can do something here too. It doesn't, you don't have to have a medical school to uh, contribute here. There are, there are things that uh, we have on our campus that uh, are really needed uh, to, to help with this. Um, can you t- talk a little about your initial conversations with Medford and Somerville and, and their health care providers in those communities? And were there any, was there any skepticism or are there any hurdles at the outset that uh, uh, might uh, have been too difficult to overcome? Or was it uh, pretty much everyone all in together? Of course, we're all in together. There were very low barriers for saying, yes, we, you know, we can try to make that happen. But in those partnerships, it became clear early on that the most beneficial relationship was if we were going to use a dorm or a wood-framed house or an apartment for either first responders, medical staff, or patients, it's best that the municipality or the um, healthcare provider uh, really runs the inside of that in, in the sense of cleaning, staffing, security, and that the university is helping from the sidelines outside the building. That uh, a relationship took a lot of, I would say, anxiety away from universities, their own staff, that they were going to be exposed to uh, individuals who were COVID positive. You know, it's best for the healthcare workers to do that. That's what they're trained for, and they're under the supervision of experts um, who have the legal liabilities uh, covered. So that made it much easier. And I think once we understood how that works and we could show others what that model looked like, it became easier for colleges and universities elsewhere to entertain this and make it happen. It, it was interesting in the um, webinar that uh, that I saw that the presidents of the uh, community hospitals and, and, and Tufts also, um, basically made the point, these could be our patients, there are employees that are being uh, housed or taken care of in these uh, offsite campus um, facilities, and we have a responsibility to them, and we embrace taking the, on the responsibility of everything involved with it. So it's really a, sort of a turnkey operation where 
the uh, college makes the facilities available, but the um, hospital then takes on the responsibility of running that facility for that interim period. Yes, and I, I think, you know, given that the your local first responders and healthcare workers are the ones that are in normal times coming onto your campus to help your students get medical care, to get, you know, be observed in an emergency room when they're in trouble and make sure that they're going to be okay. Those same workers are, need our help now. Now is the time for us to open up our doors and look after them because they looked after us for years. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, you know, we're, we're uh, recording this on April 13th and uh, we're arguably coming up with what might be the most challenging two weeks uh, for hospitals in Massachusetts. Um, what do you anticipate uh, will be the greatest needs? And is there time for uh, other colleges or community organizations to step up and, uh, and help out here? I think the, the greatest need and the one I've heard most colleges are being asked for is to house first responders and medical personnel who don't want to go back and expose their families and any vulnerable members. The second, I think, is whether you know you at least should identify a dorm which could be used for COVID-positive recovering or rehabilitating patients before they go home to free up beds in your hospital. You don't know when a surge is going to happen. You've seen what this virus can do to a nursing home. You have to be prepared that without very little notice, you could be called upon to help. So a little preparation there goes a long way. And I think we have a model that allows that to at least happen um, with very little risk to the university. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, President Monaco. Best wishes to you and everyone in the Tufts uh, University community. And thank you for uh, those of you out there listening to ACOM Insight. You can find us on SoundCloud, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. Be sure to listen, and, and uh, we will also be posting um, on our site uh, the uh, materials that President Monaco referenced, the webinar and some of the other helpful resources that uh, Tufts has uh, assembled for the larger uh, higher education community um, and healthcare community broadly. Thank you again, Tony, and, uh, and we look forward to uh, continuing our work with you. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for your collaboration. Thank you for listening to Acom Insight. We will be back with a new episode next week. Be sure to listen and share.